History happened everywhere. The verdict. This is our after-show podcast where we look back at the most recent out-of-office episode, Geography in Montenegro during 1000 to 1 BCE. So, if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out, or else there will be spoilers ahead. Well, at least it's not a penis shaped like a spud. Hello, my name is Pete Goddard and I'm not here in the HHE studio with the tutor to my Roman Empire. It's Mr. Ryan Weir. That's right. I'm the one with the nice booty. You are the one with the nice booty. That's exactly correct. The (laughs) pirate queen, you might call her. And of course, we're joined as ever by the doughty degenerate dodderer. It's the judge himself, Mr. Paul Dursley. How dare you call me a dodderer? (laughs) I've seen you dodder. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard it called that before. Now, we have the tricky business of a verdict of a joint episode. It was an out-of-office and Ryan and I shared duties. But uh, do you think you can manage some verdicting for us today, Mr Dursley? Well, I think so. It didn't take very long to listen to, did it? Mercifully short, you might call it. Now, I've been away. I've been on holiday and I've forgotten everything about the last episode. So, Ryan, would you be able to remind us in, say, 60 seconds what went on? Yeah, I can totally do that. But when do you want me to do that? I'd like you to do it now. During our respite from the office, Peter and I embarked on an extraordinary journey, tracing time back to the last millennium before the Common Era, and amid the stunning landscapes of Montenegro we discovered a common interest, the geologically rich estuary known as Boca Bay, otherwise known as the Bay of Kator. And there we learn that since the dawn of human civilization, the people of this breathtaking region have congregated along the shorelines to fish and launch voyages into the Adriatic Sea. People like Queen Tutor of Illyria, who left an indelible mark on the nation's history with her predilection for piracy, which inevitably attracted the wrath of a formidable Roman fleet. There was the rustling of euros, the sight of a sunbathing wall lizard, a sprinkling of socialism, and all served up in the shadows of an imposing black mountain. Last week's episode done, summarised nicely, nice one son, now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of me, he'll take you apart without any care, he's the lovely Paul Dursley, the lovely Paul Dursley. Yes, of course. It's all come flooding back to me now. And what a thoroughly enjoyable episode it was. But, of course, my opinion is worth nothing because we're here today to be judged. Paul, what did you think? First impressions? An interesting little country. I suppose it it is quite little, isn't it? But it sounds like it's punching above its weight quite quickly. Yeah, new and little are two of its features for sure. And as it happens, uh, this most recent week, I've been in Albania. So I was Montenegro adjacent, funnily enough. And I felt very smug as I was wandering around. Montenegro adjacent. It sounds like (laughs) some sort of dance movement. (laughs) <laughs> i was uh, performing the montenegro adjacent but uh yeah i found numerous restaurants and hotels and things that were called tutor so obviously they the albanians as well as the montenegrins i guess take the inspiration from tutor quite seriously and you can find the name scattered about the place quite freely people love an anti-hero don't they i mean i come from a place in essex called colchester which has budasia as its hero the old rebel tribal queen who wanted to avenge her partner and her daughter's death. She was definitely a rebel against the Romans, wasn't she? Well, but she was an ally of Rome for most of the time. It was only near the end. And it brought about the end, really, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. Burned the town to the ground. Mm. Well, Tutor didn't fare so very well either, did she? So I guess... Well, maybe... but, but Boudicca almost won. Yes, almost winning. Feels like it's still losing, doesn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> 
I did read that Tutor's husband, Agron, he died from drinking too much. Did you read about that, Pete? I didn't come across that. Just in general yeah. or just on one particular epic binge? Apparently so. There was like there was a big battle. They won. They had a big celebration and he drank so much that he then died. Wow, that is the ce- literally the celebration to end all celebrations. Crikey. How about that? Yeah. Now, regrettably, I wasn't able to go up to the Bay of Kotor and see this beautiful area that we talked about. But nevertheless, I think next time I'll probably return. I think Montenegro is worth a visit. Well, actually, Pete, talking of the Bay of Kotor, I have some Bay of Kotor facts for you, which I'm going to tell you about after this. Right, so we talked about the Bay of Couture being a stunning, beautiful area of natural glory. Mountains and deep bays and seas and little straits. Crystal clear water. And you said it was a rear. Indeed we did. So that's a, a, a flooded river valley, isn't it? So the sea level has gone up. That's what created it. Yes, it is sometimes described as Europe's southernmost fjord. But as you rightly point out, it is not a fjord. It is a river valley, not a glacial valley that's been flooded. You sound like Paul Dursley. <laughs> well, that's a mark up for him there, isn't it? <laughs> it all goes towards the, the combined grade. But anyway, so yeah, the Bay of Couture, it's a beautiful place, but it also has a darker side. So I thought I'd bring you some of the darker side of the Bay of Couture. I'd like to hear the darker side. The darker side. <laughs> so one such tale is that of a Venetian nobleman from the 16th century, a guy called Matteo Bataro. <laughs> I don't know how I was supposed to react to that. <laughs> and so Bataro had a wife who was having an adulterous affair. So eager to get rid of her husband, the wife conspires with her new partner and together they execute a deadly plot, stabbing Bataro in the heart and pushing his body into the bay, leaving him to bleed to death in the ice cold water. Now, it's rumoured that Bataro is said to have never left those waters. Oh, it's one of those. His spirit now forever entwined with the bay's water and consumed by a quest for justice and vengeance. No, it isn't. (laughs) Some claim to have seen his ghost pacing along the shore or sailing in a phantom gondola. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Through the quiet waters. Singing a cornetto song. (laughs) (laughs) Others have woken in the dead of night, hearing his chilling and desperate cries for help in the air. But Bataro's ghost is not actually alone, because some people have reported the eerie sight of a ghostly figure standing on the rocks at the bay's entrance. A lost soul or a watchful guardian? Nobody knows for sure. Well, I, I, I know for sure that that's a load of bollocks. <laughs> I know for sure that our grade is sinking rapidly. (laughs) Then there is the local tale of a 15th century woman who fell in love with a sailor who, before setting off on a long voyage, gifted her a silver tablet, which she promised to place in the church upon his safe return. But unfortunately, his ship was lost at sea, and the maiden, heartbroken, unable to bear the sorrow, she throws herself into the sea, still clutching the silver tablet. And today... People often hear a woman's sobs and whispering prayers and see the ghostly female figure, the silver tablet flashing briefly before she vanishes. 
So yeah, so if you're ever in the Bay of Couture, listen closely to the whispers in the wind, the sighs of the sea, and remember that the silent echoes of its haunted past are still lingering today. Yeah, you have to hear it over the sound of cruise ship entertainment today, though, don't you? You have to hear it over some lounge singer doing Copacabana. <laughs> Can you imagine being a ghost and just having a shout a little bit louder? Yeah. I said, woo! <laughs> woo! Can you... Oh, is this thing on? <laughs> That was an entertaining dark tale, Twine, but I have some dark history for you that's really dark and really real. I want to know it. Tell me it now. Here we go. Until the early 20th century, Montenegrins practiced headhunting. What? Yeah. Until when? Until the early 20th century. So one source said it was 1912 that was the most recent complete heading that was taken off. But yeah, they they practiced it. Are you being serious? I'm being absolutely serious. This is normally like a Pacific Ocean Island kind of situation. I know. That's why I was surprised. Uh, Very much on the Balkan doorstep. Very much a European Western phenomenon as well, it turns out. So they did it. It was legal until 1876. And basically what would happen is they'd be blood feuds or they'd be fighting with, not unsurprisingly, the Ottoman. Uh, and when you killed someone, you would take their head. And uh, it was a matter of great honour. If two Montenegrins kill a guy, the head legally belonged to the person who took first blood. Oh, okay. And in 1876, King Nicholas I of Montenegro ordered the practice to end because he knew that European diplomats found it to be barbaric. Well, yes, because it is. Very much so. I'm very much on the side of the European ambassadors there. But yeah, I was really surprised to find out that in Montenegro, they were headhunting into the 20th century. That's incredible. Did they do anything with their heads, like shrink them or put them on display or whatever? They, yeah, well, yeah, it's funny you should say that because uh, there was a tower that they started to build called the Tablia tower uh, and this was a tower which they used to display turkish heads that had been taken in battle uh, or they would carry they would charge wow. into battle carrying the heads of their vanquished foes tied by a bit of hair onto their belt yeah i mean that's pretty terrifying isn't it? absolutely horrifying isn't it so uh yeah and i couldn't i was just surprised that i'm absolutely into the 20th century that is a very good fact i like that Ka-ching. That's points. I'm just wondering whether or not the judge listening to this is going to take one of our heads. Oh, that's a good question, because I know he does tend to favour my head in the abstract, but does that make it for a better head to take, or is it your head a better victim? Which one is would be the greater loss, I think, <laughs> is the... All right, well, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> So, Ryan, if I were to hunt your head, would you have any more Montenegro facts for us? Well, I do, actually. Geography facts. Ooh, on message. On message, on point, right? Okay, so Montenegro, right, we said is one of the smallest countries in Europe, right? But that doesn't mean that it's not spoiled for geography. So, did you know it is home to the second deepest canyon in the world after the Grand Canyon? Uh, Are you sure about that? Uh, Increasingly less so. Why? (laughs) Well, I always thought the second largest canyon in the world was the Fish River Canyon in Namibia. Is it? Oh my mm-hmm. goodness! Now I'm. A friend of wait, mine wait. has been there, so. And that's the second. La- wait, wait, wait! Second largest. Yes. Yeah. No. This one in Montenegro is the second deepest canyon. 
in uh, after the Grand Canyon. Are you sure? I don't think we've got clear rules about canyon measuring. Well, I think I think I think the definition is largest, which is probably the volume of yeah. the canyon. So, how does one measure a canyon in order to make it a world beater? Is it the volume? Is it height? Is it depth? Is it steepness of gorge? Well, each of those is a sep- is a separate measure, but I would say largest would be the vol the total volume enclosed. Ah, so you need to make a cast of each canyon. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you about the canyon? Yeah, tell us about the canyon, Ryan, <laughs> oh, which may sorry, or may not sorry, be. Sorry, <laughs> I, I forgot about that. It, it is pretty deep, regardless of where it stands. The, the deep, the known to be very deep canyon. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it is called the Tara River Canyon. It's an UNESCO World Heritage Site. It reaches a depth of 1,300 metres, 4,300 feet, and it stretches for about 82 kilometres, 51 miles in length. Three quarters of a mile, yeah. Yeah, and uh, due to the combination of the sides being made out of limestone, all that sediment falls down into the water. Algae grows on that, and it turns it this emerald green hue, and it's sort of famous for uh, white water rafting through these emerald waters. It looks beautiful. And some people claim that there is a monster fish lurking in the water. It's not a ghost of a monster <laughs> fish, is it? <laughs> it is said to be a giant catfish. And in 2012, a group of fishermen were fishing in the canyon when they caught a large catfish weighing over 600 pounds. Wow. And it was the largest catfish ever caught in Montenegro. 600 pounds? Yeah, but it's said not to be even close to the monster fish, which some say weighs over 1,000 pounds. Half a ton? Big fish. That's a big fish. Mm. You should have seen the one that got away. Yeah, that's right. But the Tara River Canyon is not the only big thing in uh, Montenegro. So uh, I want to talk about Lake Skada. It's on the border between Montenegro and Albania, Pete. So you could have gone there. It is the largest lake in southern Europe. And it's the largest pelican habitat in Europe too. Nice. I love a pelican. But depending on the time of year, the size of the lake alters from anywhere between 370 square kilometres to 530 square kilometres. So the lake's massive or small, depending on when you go. Uh, The deepest point of the lake is 44 metres deep, 144 feet, which is below sea level and therefore makes the lake something called a crypto depression. Crypto depression. Mm. That's what happens when your Bitcoin falls in value. (laughs) (laughs) But the important fact about Lake Skada is that there are rumours that it also has a monster fish. Oh, you and your monster fish. You're all Doesn't about the... every lake have a monster fish? But Montenegro's not done there. It also has the only remaining rainforest in Europe. So this is called Biogradska Gora. It's one of the oldest protected areas in the world. Like a rainforest, it has a lot of rain. In fact, it has somewhere between 2,000 and 3,500 millimetres, about the height of a basketball hoop from the ground, worth of rain every year. And uh, the park has 26 different habitats for flora, 220 different types of plants, 150 species of birds, and 10 species of mammals, including wolves, bears, wild boars, lynxes, and... Monster fish? Monster fish, yes, that's right. <laughs> I thought I was joking there, but apparently not. No, no, there is. There's a monster fish, but there is also a giant bear that's so big it can kill a man. Just a bear, isn't it? <laughs> a bear so big it can kill a man. So so does it? That's the question. No, it's not killed anyone. Others say that a water spirit lives in one of the lakes in the park, and it's said to take the shape of a beautiful woman and then lure them to their deaths. 
I've known women like that. Now, several apparently several people report seeing this spirit every year, but so far no one has drowned because of it. Because we all know that the spirit doesn't exist. No, it's because the monster fish gets them first. <laughs> or the bear. I mean, there's so many other risks out there. <laughs> So I did have something else that I wanted to talk about, which didn't fit in any way in any of the brief last time, but I found it and I enjoyed it. So I want to just share it. So you know that uh, whenever you have neighbouring countries, they generate stereotypes about each other and make jokes about that thing. Yes, yeah, a friendly rivalry. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, the stereotype of the Montenegrins is that they are lazy people. End of segment. <laughs> <laughs> and they are. <laughs> <laughs> But it's all right. They can't be bothered to write in to complain. <laughs> well done. So, yes, they, they have this reputation, this joke reputation of being the laziest people. And uh, one man in Montenegro responded to this with some humour by creating a Laziness Olympics, a world championship of idleness. <laughs> So, I mean, so, by defeating the point by actually setting one up. Well, yeah, that he managed to get around to it is in a, in a way yeah. self-defeating, isn't it? But yes, this competition is held in a small village in a place called Bresna. Uh, it was intended, obviously, to poke fun at the stereotype. And what happens is, at the start, the, when they first started, competitors would lie on a mattress under a tree, holding a piece of straw <laughs> in their mouth, and you weren't allowed any breaks of any kind. And if you got up, you were out. Uh, wow. <laughs> so they would do it for many hours. Then after a few years, they changed the rules, and then... They they moved it indoors so you could actually be in a house in this little village. But also you could have a break every eight hours, which then meant you could go to the loo, which then really set out the stall for really ramping up the sport to go on for days and days on end. <laughs> like who, how they sold the television rights, I don't know. So the prize seems to fluctuate a bit, but it seems to be around 300 to 400 euros for your six days of lying around. Uh, and you get to brag about your championship laziness if you can be bothered. I love that they've taken this on as like a little badge of humour. I like it, yeah. They lean into it, right? So in, in 2017, mm. there were four winners because they sportingly all broke the previous record and then they all stood up together. So they had all four, all four of them won, which was uh, good and sporting. In contrast, in 2022, the winner, firstly, lasted 60 hours to take home the title mm -hmm. which is a long time to not get up or once every eight hours get up but here's a twist <laughs> one newspaper reported on the event and they described him the winner as the biggest and this is what i couldn't get a translation of zabalabaro which i assume right. means lazy person but i also saw something that had translated it as swindler but anyway he's oh. the biggest zabalabaro and he was incredibly unhappy about this for some reason <laughs> And he's not as lazy as he pretended because he then travelled to the newspaper office, gets quite aggressive with the journalists, and starts trying to smash the office up, and he had what? to be detained by police. Oh my goodness. So it can't have been a nice word. He, well, clearly not, but I guess it's uh, the, the newspaper that I read it in said it was the word that is always used to describe the winner of this competition. So it wasn't like they'd particularly chosen a new word. So what was going on with the guy, I do not know. But certainly that was vigorous stuff for supposedly the laziest man in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I hope it, I hope the trophy was rescinded immediately after that. That's right, yeah. For showing way too much vim and vigour, we're going to have to withdraw and give it to the second person. <laughs> I love that your first thought is about the rules, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, 
yeah, all this eight hours is is just ridiculous, isn't it? You know, it sort of takes the whole object. If the whole point is you can't get up, you just have to pee on the ground. Yeah, I liked the purity of the early rules, I must admit. It was, it was a simpler time. It was. But as soon as the money came into the game, it, was, it really changed, didn't it? Which one of us is going to win in the competition? All three of us enter. Who, who's, who's, who takes home the medal? I don't like lying around too much, actually, so I don't fancy my chances for this one. Yeah. You get the bronze. I could nap, but probably not for 60 hours. Are we saying that I'm going to win this? Probably. Because that's what I'm hearing. Are you prepared to wallow <laughs> in your own filth? I mean, I do every day. So... <laughs> I've been oh. practising for all my life. Think we have a winner. <laughs> what an image. <laughs> And so we are here, the end of the line. Time to step into the dock, you and I, Ryan, together, hand in hand, and prepare to face the people's judge. Yep. Put my arm around you. Come on, together. Thanks, Ben. Now, Judge Jersley, are you ready to give your verdict? Yes. Then we'll ask the defendants, please rise. I have risen. I have risen too. Can I get a box? I'm not as tall as you. (laughs) Now, Your Honour, as usual, may we start proceedings by first asking for your verdict on the factual content. Well... There wasn't a vast number of facts, was there, really? It was a short episode. At times, it did seem a bit of a list. So I'm afraid I could only give you... C. C. Not terrible. Like the Adriatic. Hey, yes, absolutely. An Adriatic C for us. Okay, the next category is entertainment value. Your verdict, sir. Again, there were no sketches, so that's a plus on the entertainment side. And it was short, so that was also another plus on the entertainment side. So it's looking quite good, isn't it? Hey, Pete, shall I tell him there was a sketch at the very end? (laughs) (laughs) Don't mention it. We'll only discourage him. Shall I keep that quiet? Okay. uh, Perhaps I've fallen asleep. Um, It entertained me for a very short while. So I'll give you... B minus. That's not bad. B minus. Maybe that's, that's okay. What, that's what we should do in future. Ten minute shows with just a list of dry facts for Dursley. <laughs> well, he'd be happy. I don't know about the rest of our audience. <laughs> they might be go. less pleased. And finally, the super mysterious, ever unexpected Dursley factor. What is your verdict for Dursley factor? Paul? Well, I, I think we've mentioned this before. It's quite interesting that certain countries just seem more interesting than other countries. I think it's mainly the the romance factor or the, the fact that you don't know that much about them. And I think Montenegro is one of those sort of romantic countries. So they always I, they always score high for me uh, rather than, you know, the countries that everybody knows about. So I will give... B. Solid B, that's nice. I must admit, I liked Montenegro and as, uh, definitely going on the list of places I'd like to visit that we've talked about. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a fascinating place from what I've learned. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? But now we reach the final verdict. Final ruling, please, Judge Dursley. Okay, I've come to a decision and I'm going to weight it on the first score. So, for geography in Montenegro, which is not history, I don't understand that, I will give you... C-plus. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, I'll take C that. C-plus. I'll shake my hand, Ryan. Teamwork. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, sir. No, thank you, sir. Beautifully done. Congratulations. 
Well, there you go. That is our show for this week. If you'd like to get in touch about any of the things we talked about on the show, or just to say hello, you can reach out to us on social media through the website, hhepodcast.com, or email us at Pete and Ryan at hhepodcast.com. That's right. We'd certainly love to hear from you. And you never know, you might end up featured on a future show such as Jordan Anglin, resident of Winnipeg, Manitoba in Canada, who said, hello, I know I'm a bit late, but I've been listening to your back catalogue. You've probably already been told this, but you never brought it up again, so maybe not. So I'm going to tell you. In the verdict for Canada, Paul pointed out that you said kilometres squared instead of square kilometres for the size of Victoria Island. But every time he brings it up, he says Vancouver Island, which is not Victoria Island. Vancouver Island in British Columbia has the city of Victoria on it, but that's not Victoria Island. They are two complete different places with over 2,000 kilometres in between them. No! Victoria Island, the eighth largest island in the world, is an Arctic island that's located in the Northwest Territories. I don't think it should come as a surprise that a very, very large country that was colonised during the reign of Queen Victoria has a lot of places in it named after Queen Victoria. So look at that. Paul got something wrong. He is capable of it. I thought that might be nice for you to hear for once. Maybe you could retroactively get your grade for the episode boosted a bit as a punishment for him. Great podcast, Jordan. Jordan, you are our favourite listener of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Thoughts, Paul? It just solidifies my opinion of Canadians. <laughs> oh, Jordan, thank you so much for riding in. And well, that get a just decent, goes to show get a decent name. I encourage anyone else to write in, especially if you're going to write in in that manner. That was absolutely delightful. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> no, he's, ab- he's absolutely right. I always call I always call it Victoria Island. It should be called Victoria Island, but and of course, yes, <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll just go and execute myself. <laughs> no, you could you could up the grade. No, of course not. No. Okay. Um, by the way, I'll if if you're if you're being presumptuous i'll give you a c for this one anyway right. moving on yeah uh, you could also definitely feature on a future episode by rating and reviewing the show on spotify or apple podcasts and if you recommend us there it really helps bring the show to other listeners that's right now if you're on mastodon facebook instagram twitter you can find us at hhe podcast and if you subscribe to those you're going to get an alert every time we post any trivia tidbits news and photos and we'll be back again soon with our regular episode as promised for some weeks now sure <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's right definitely what what is it what is it yeah it's communism in antarctica during the triassic that's coming up so yep yep that's definitely gonna happen for that one (laughs) so in the meantime whilst ryan sweats that out a huge thank you to the judge himself thank you paul Uh, my pleasure as ever and that is it i guess all that's left to say is you've been listening to It was a curious topic, though, wasn't it? That's probably worth talking about because it's difficult to do geography in a specific time period because geography tends to occur over much larger time periods than history. So a thousand years is a mere blink of the eye in geographical terms, isn't it? Well, I got stuck between the difference between geography and geology. Wow, you're really looking at long periods of time if you're into geology, aren't you? I, I used to like the you know the glaciation and the wave-cut platforms and your eskers and drumlins and cums. And did you ever throw an orange in a river to measure the flow? No, we never did that. Oh, we did that on a field trip. Geography field trips are great. Just chuck things in rivers and draw things. It's awesome. I just remember giving one of those round metre ruler things that you just walk around a field and go, yeah, this was, I don't know, 400 metres or whatever. 
<laughs> I didn't learn very much. <laughs> I'm yeah. beginning to suspect that Ryan was given the, the walking thing and just told to wander around whilst the rest of the class <laughs> got on with the main event. <laughs> there you go, Ryan. We'll take the thing for the walk. <laughs> well, at least it used to it used to click every rotation, though, so it kept, it kept him happy. That was fun, yeah. I did like the click. Yeah, he'd come back with a big grin on his face. Oh, that was great. <laughs> it went click. The thing was, guys, is if you ran faster, the clicks went faster. <laughs> well, it was really cool. Uh, that's a use. That's a useless fact. That, that, that they used to have taximeters in Rome, in ancient Rome. Taximeters? What's a taximeter? Well, you know, when you go in a taxi and you, it's by distance and you have to pay. Mm-hmm. They used to have those in Rome. So the further you went, the more that you paid. And it was basically the same principle. It was like they had sand or gravel of a certain size that actually fell through this wheel. So every time the wheel revolved, say it revolved once every ten yards, for example, and then you'd count the number of grains and that's the distance that you've got and they charge you for that wow how did they manage the i'm not going over across the river at this time of night is that a e- different e- system? exactly i'm not going over the timer tonight <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> it's a rather nice Margot.